Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. That's July 10th, 2022. And today we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. The story of Joseph and his brothers after their father Jacob dies. Now, this is a rather short reading, so what I'd like to do to begin is just talk about the story of Joseph a little bit, because Joseph is, again and again, a type of Christ. So, back in Genesis 37, Joseph is the youngest of his brothers, so I suppose we would say that the least is expected of him. And yet, Jacob loves him the most because he is the firstborn son of his longtime barren wife, Rebecca. And so, Joseph is the, the son of a different mother. He's beloved by Jacob, and Jacob points this out by uh, making Joseph this, this coat of many colors. And this by itself is a type of Christ because... Um, Jesus, born of Mary, is, is begotten of his Father in heaven. He, he stands alone as our brother, as the incarnate Son of God. And while God the Father doesn't clothe him in a coat of many colors, God the Father declares from heaven when Jesus is baptized, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Well, Joseph might be the, the youngest son, and he might be the youngest brother, no matter how much the other brothers have going for them. And they're the, uh, the children of three other women. The brothers hate Joseph, especially and all the more so because Jacob loves him so much and has given him his coat. So while, uh, while the father might love his youngest son, the brothers hate him. A reminder that while Jesus is God's beloved son, when he is incarnate and begins his public ministry years later after his baptism, his, his own receive him not and eventually have him put to death on the cross. Now, also in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph has a couple of dreams, which sets the stage for the dreams that he will later have. And in these two dreams in Genesis 37, his family worships him. First, he has a dream where he and his brothers have been binding sheaves of wheat in the field, and all of their sheaves bow down to his, an indication that someday his brothers will bow down to him. And you can imagine his brothers who already hate him don't care much for that dream at all. Also, he has a dream where the sun, the moon, and the stars bow down to him, the meaning of which is that both his father and his mother, as well as his older brothers, will all bow down to him and show him respect and honor. And his parents and his brothers don't appreciate that dream at all. And yet Joseph, as a type of Christ, will be the one who saves them all. Even as Jesus has saved all of us, even those who have despised him, and do not the sun, the moon, and the stars bow down to Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. 
Well, as Genesis 37 continues, Joseph's brothers hate him so much they they fake his death. They throw him down a well. They take his coat and and soak it in animal blood to persuade um, their father that Joseph has been killed by some wild beast. And uh, Joseph is sold off into slavery to some Midian slavers headed down to Egypt. And, uh, and when Jacob hears the story, he assumes in chapter 37 that Joseph is now in Sheol, the realm of the dead. So Joseph's death is, is faked, but the father believes him dead. Jesus, of course, is put to death by those who hate him. And his father recognizes his death and burial as well. Once Joseph is in Egypt, he serves Potiphar, uh, the man who buys him. He's an honorable servant who becomes the head of Potiphar's household in charge of all that Potiphar has. Potiphar's wife notices Joseph because he is a handsome man, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. And when Joseph refuses her advances, she falsely accuses him of attempted rape. And Joseph is thrown in prison by Potiphar based upon the wife's allegations. So Joseph, in service to his master, does not give in to the temptations of the wayward bride, but does what is right by her and by his master, And certainly the people of God, the bride of Christ, have been errant brides who want the Lord to acquiesce to their sinful wishes. And Jesus, as the bridegroom, has always done what is right for the bride. And even dying for her sins, that she might be sanctified and cleansed for the wedding feast of the Lamb that is to come. Where Joseph was falsely accused of of sin, Jesus is falsely accused of sin. Where Joseph is thrown into prison for doing the right thing, Jesus is crucified and then laid in a grave for being righteous. And while he is in prison, Joseph interprets prisoners' dreams, the cook and the cupbearer of the Pharaoh. After he is raised up from prison, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams when nobody else can. And so Pharaoh makes Joseph the second in command of all of Egypt. In fact, in chapter 44 of Genesis, verse 18, it is said that Joseph is like Pharaoh himself. This too is a type of Christ that, uh, that after Jesus is raised from the dead, he ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he is like God the Father himself because they are two persons of the one triune God. So as on behalf of Pharaoh, Joseph rules over all Egypt, Jesus rules over all things at God's right hand for our good. Well, in chapter 42, the the famine that Joseph predicted from Pharaoh's dreams has, has taken hold. The brothers go to Egypt and Joseph remembers them, recognizes them, and Joseph, uh, Joseph remembers his dreams as well. 
And you have to wonder if Joseph remembered those dreams throughout his his tough times in Egypt, and he lived by faith that they would come true no matter what his eyes saw. At any rate, now he's in a place where his brothers must bow to him, and uh, and Joseph engages in a bit of, of deception so that uh, Simeon is detained as a purported thief, and all of the uh, all the brothers, other brothers return, but they find that that they've gotten their grain for free because their money is found inside their their grain bags. And so if they go back to Egypt, they might be accused of, of, of being thieves, of stealing the grain because they still have their money with them. At any rate, to, uh, to get Simeon set free from Egyptian captivity, the brothers go to Egypt with their new youngest brother, Benjamin, who is the second and last son born to Rachel. I think I said Rebecca before. It's Rachel. And so Joseph then tests his brothers by by framing Benjamin for the crime of, of thievery, of stealing his cup. And it's then that that Judah, the old or the oldest brother, yes, offers himself. In the place of Benjamin, uh, Joseph is going to uh, is going to keep Benjamin as a slave, and Judah says, "Take me instead and let the boy live." So Judah now is a type of Christ, and in fact, Christ will be born from the descendants of Judah. In chapter forty-five, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. I am the one uh, whom you uh, sold off into slavery. You faked my death, and now I've saved your life. Um, risen from the dead, Christ re- reveals himself to us as merciful and, and ready to forgive and to save us. And as Joseph has provided and will provide bread for his family and really for all the known world, so Jesus provides himself the living bread from heaven for us and for all. Joseph brings his family to Egypt and handles the, the famine in uh, chapters 46 and 47. Of course, the risen Christ um, has has sent his disciples, his laborers in the field because the harvest is great, and he gathers people into his family, uh, into, into the church. In chapters 48 and 49, Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, then he blesses his own sons, and then Jacob dies. In chapter 50, Joseph makes a trip to Canaan with Jacob's body to make sure that uh, that Jacob receives a proper burial as he has as he has requested and then Joseph returns to Egypt and at the end of Genesis Joseph demands that his bones be taken and buried in Canaan and then Joseph lives for 110 years before he dies now between Joseph's death And before that, the trip to bury Jacob, we have our text for today. But hopefully you've seen throughout this this, uh, this 11 minutes or so that, uh, that Joseph's life is rich with imagery that points to Christ and his redemption of mankind, his redemption of those who, who would rather he be dead. 
All right. So so now Joseph is is risen to Pharaoh's right hand. He saved the known world. He saved his brothers and taken care of them. But the brothers have a guilty conscience. And that's where our text comes in and points once again to Christ. So in Genesis 50, starting at verse 15, we read, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. So now that Jacob is gone, the brothers are thinking, if Joseph is going to get revenge on us for all the terrible things we've done to him, now is the time that he's going to do it because dad isn't around to keep us safe anymore. Now, please note, Joseph has done nothing to indicate he's secretly mad at them. Joseph has done nothing to indicate he's he's biding his time to get revenge upon them. So there's nothing that Joseph has done that makes them fear his wrath. It's their own guilty conscience. Joseph has declared them forgiven, but they can't forgive themselves. They doubt Joseph's forgiveness, not because of anything about Joseph, but because of themselves and what they have done. This is something for for you and me to keep in mind. It It is far easier to sin than it is to believe that we are forgiven. Sinning for us comes naturally. Believing that we're actually forgiven by God for our sins, that takes a miracle called faith. So sometimes people sin saying, I know that I can do this because God will forgive me. And if they actually reach a penitent state of heart, if they repent, then yes, God will even forgive them for that sin. The problem is that so far they've, they've lived this life, they've lived this sin by fooling themselves. And they knew that they were insincere when they said, I can sin because I know I'll be forgiven. And now that they, uh, they desire forgiveness, they don't know if God really will forgive them. Not because God is out for revenge or God will go against his word, but because they, they doubt themselves. It's their guilt haunting them that makes them doubt God's promise of forgiveness for them. Even if you do not commit a willful sin like that, the devil will do his best to make you think that you can't be forgiven, not because God is unforgiving, but because you're too guilty to be forgiven or because you're so angry at yourself that you don't want to be forgiven. But if the devil can't make you doubt God's love then he'll make you doubt your forgivableness. 
So one of the things to confess is not just a sin that you've done, but also confess the sin of believing that God can't forgive you because you're just too sinful to be forgiven. At any rate, they send the message to Joseph, the brothers do, saying, your father gave this command before he died. And as far as we know, Jacob didn't give this command before he died. The the brothers are just covering their bases. But the command is this, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now say the brothers, please forgive the transgressions the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And we read as as the text goes on, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. So this is the other part of, of, of their doubt because they know of their guilt and they don't quite believe Joseph is that forgiving, they want to make a deal with Joseph. Hey, if you do forgive us, then we'll be sure to be your servants. Of course, what choice do they have? But they're still saying, we're going to earn your forgiveness because we don't quite trust that you'll forgive us freely. And isn't that like the uh, the sinful nature in all of us, too, where we say, I need God's forgiveness, so I'll sweeten the deal and promise that it will never happen again. And it shouldn't happen again. But God doesn't forgive us because of our good intentions. God forgives us because Christ died for us. At any rate, even though they're still hunted by their guilt... And even though they they think they have to earn Joseph's forgiveness, so even if they doubt that Joseph does forgive them and that doubt stems from their own sin, Joseph's forgiveness for them is still absolute. He says in verse 19, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. All right, so Joseph, by great faith, by the grace of God, forgives his brothers once again. Re- reassures them that they are forgiven because it is, it is God's work to condemn and God's work to save. And so as God has used Joseph to save his brothers, Joseph is not going to um, contradict God and condemn them. So even though they meant it for evil, his betrayal and selling into slavery, God meant it for good and used it for good. And Joseph is not about to turn around and use that for evil. And the good that God used it for was essentially the survival of the known world. And so says Joseph, not only do I forgive you, but I will provide for you and your little ones. 
And note that Joseph never says, as long as you serve me well. He makes a promise, no matter their behavior from here. Now, let's take these words from Joseph, this this absolution from Joseph, and let's put it in the mouth of Jesus, speaking to us sinners. So, Jesus says to you, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? And the answer is, well, yes, he is in the place of God because he is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, seated at God's right hand. And because he sits there interceding for you, do not fear. For when Jesus says, I forgive you, not only is he never going to change his mind, but there's no one greater than him who is going to contradict him. So if Joseph's assurance of forgiveness to his brothers was certain, Jesus' assurance of forgiveness to you is more certain because he is in the place of God, because he is God. Next, Jesus says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And cannot Jesus say this about the cross? Of course. Why was he crucified? Not because mankind says, we soberly understand that this is God's plan for our salvation. Jesus was crucified because mankind wanted him dead and gone. They rejected him, they rejected his word of forgiveness and grace and salvation, and they wanted him gone. They meant it for evil, for the greatest evil. And how did God use it? God used it for good, that many people should be kept alive as they are today, that whoever believes in Jesus might not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus provides for his people, and he provides for the little ones. And so as Joseph comforted his brothers and spoke kindly to them, so Jesus comforts us and speaks kindly to us. And note, he never says, I forgive you as long as you promise to do better. Now, certainly that doesn't mean we have a license to sin, But the fact that Jesus forgives us ought to move us to lives of obeying his word. The fact that Jesus has saved us from death means we ought to avoid doing the things that were killing us before. So as Jesus forgives us and strengthens our faith, we don't serve him because we have to. We serve him because we can. Because our faith is just waiting for the chance to do what Jesus has saved us to do. So that's a quick look at Genesis 50 of Joseph forgiving his brothers, how that that points us to this, this incredible absolution, this forgiveness that Jesus gives us. For although Joseph's brothers' crimes are pretty spectacular, our sins are worse And although Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers is remarkable, 
Jesus' forgiveness for all of our sins is far greater. So rejoice that that the Lord has used his son's death for your good, that you might be kept alive both now and forevermore. All right, that concludes our look at Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Um, God grant you every good gift. If you are teaching this to others, God bless your further meditations upon this wonderful text. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen. Amen.